The following pre-recorded program is paid for by Carla Swanigan Ministries. Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how he truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Everybody, welcome to Scandalous Grace, where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I'm Carla Swanigan, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Today on the show, we are going to talk about um, another one of my favorite topics. It's the power of the prophetic word. Now, for those of you listening who who don't even know what that means, what is a prophetic word? A prophetic word is really something straight from the heart of the Father, from the Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Father's heart speaks to you about your situation or how he feels about you. It's just a word from the Lord, really. It's always going to be encouraging and um, positive and and uplifting and um, prophetic words are super powerful. And we're going to talk about that today and, and why it's a gift from God to us and, and why we even need it in our culture, in our life and in our relationship with the Lord. So um, let's get into it a little bit. You know, I grew up Southern Baptist and I didn't learn a lot about, honestly, about the Holy Spirit or the prophetic or any of um, even really the gifts of the Holy Spirit when I was growing up, I didn't learn about that probably, gosh, I was in my thirties, I think, um, when I moved and started going to a different church and, and that was something that the pastor really taught on and explained to me. And I just learned so much and I just soaked it up like a sponge. And I was so excited to learn about all these things that the Holy spirit brings to us. And, and the prophetic word is one of those. And, you know, I just want to start by laying the foundation of saying that we all hear the father's voice. We all hear the Lord. We all hear the Holy Spirit. You know, it tells us in the word that um, his sheep follow him and they know his voice and they listen to his voice. And so that's us. We're his sheep. We're the ones that follow him. And so that's a promise straight from Jesus to us. And it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to get into the word a little bit, um, a story in the word and um, kind of pick it apart in a way that helps explain to you the powerful powerfulness of a prophetic word and how it can totally redeem somebody's life and change their life and transform their life. And and it's happened in my own life. I'm going to tell you that story as, as we go on a little further in the show, but first let's get in the word. Let's start in John chapter four. We're going to be in John chapter four. I'm going to be reading from the passion translation um, today. It's one of my favorite ways to, to read and study the word. It just gets me um, a better understanding of what's going on, especially when it comes to a parable or a story in the word. I love to read it from the passion translation because it's just a little bit more in depth in a way that I can understand. So if you haven't ever heard of the passion translation, you can look it up and um, check that out. It's a really great way to get into the word. So like I said, we're going to be in John chapter four. Let me give you a little background before we get into the, the scripture here in this part of John. This is where Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. And, um, most Jews went the long way around to avoid going through the city of Samaria. And that's because they considered Samaria Samaritans to be defiled, unclean, like 
they couldn't touch a Samaritan. They couldn't touch anything a Samaritan had touched. Like it was this whole big um, deal to avoid Samaritans and to avoid that town altogether. So they would go way out of their way just to avoid going through this town. But, you know, Samaritans were considered by the Jewish people, the chosen people, to be unclean, you know. And so as believers, I think, before we even get into the text, it's interesting to think about that in general, just that statement that they were considered to be unclean. Because I think even now in our culture and today's um, world, as believers, there's people that I know a lot of Christians would consider to be unclean, right? They would be like, oh, I, I can't go there. You know, I can't go to a bar. There's there's a bunch of ungodly people there, you know, or I, I can't go to Las Vegas. There's gambling there. That city's unclean. You know, there's all those types of places, but there's also people groups, I think, as believers that a lot of times we as believers have labeled to be unclean. But let me say this. God doesn't call them unclean. Right. He doesn't. Those are people he wants to draw to his heart. And it's real hard to draw somebody to Jesus's heart if you won't even go to where they are. You know, that that's that's kind of where you need to start right there is make a decision in your heart that you're not going to be calling other people unclean and ungodly because they're all his sons and daughters. And it says in the word that he wishes and desires that none would perish. And so, I mean, you got to get in there. You got to get into those places. You got to get that religious mindset out of your head. That's that's the first place to start right there, because that's what Jesus did. Let me tell you right now, he went straight into this city, into Samaria. He didn't avoid it. He didn't go around it. He didn't take the usual Christian route, let's say. He went right there. And I believe if Jesus was here, he'd be in the bars. He'd be in the prisons. He'd be in the gambling casinos. He'd be everywhere where the lost are. And he would be relating with them and eating with them just like he did throughout the Bible. So that's just a little aside there. Let's get that religion out of our minds, people. Okay, so let's pick up here in John chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 15, and we're going to see what's happening here in this town of Samaria that most religious people wouldn't be caught dead in. Okay, I love that Jesus is here. He he walks up to this well. It's in, in the middle of the day. It's the, the hottest part of the day, and he walks up to a well, and this woman approaches And he starts having a conversation with her. Um, That's another thing. He's not supposed to be talking to women. Um, Jewish men didn't do that. And so I love that Jesus is breaking all the rules, right? He's setting the standard. He's showing how we're supposed to live. He's our model, right? So I love that about him. So we're just going to pick up in the middle of their conversation in verse 15. The woman replied to him, Let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. And Jesus said, well, go get your husband and bring him back here. Oh, well, I'm not married. The woman answered. That's true. Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with the man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. Okay, so here's what's happening. That is an example of a word of knowledge, a prophetic word. Jesus knew by the power of the Holy Spirit that lived on the inside of him that this woman had been married and divorced five times, you guys, five. So for all of us, I'm divorced and remarried for all of us, divorced people. That's another thing in our culture. I think in religious circles, sometimes it's like this big shame thing that we've been married and divorced. So I just tell you right now, let that go. That's not what, how Jesus sees it. 
He's standing here talking to this woman. She's been married five times, you guys, and divorced five times. And he's standing here talking to her, reaching out to her, loving on her. And that's who we're called to be as well. So he starts talking to her, and he gets this prophetic word, this word of knowledge for the Samaritan woman. And she is absolutely floored. She recognizes that he must be a prophet, right? Because he's just given her this prophetic word, this word of knowledge. And now she's suddenly listening to everything he has to say, right? He has her full attention. And here's what I want to say about that, you guys. The prophetic word is the key from the heart of the father to unlock unlock the heart of the captive. Let me say that again. The prophetic word is the key from the heart of the father to unlock the heart of the captive. And doesn't it tell us in Isaiah 61 that we're here to set the captives free, right? So we have to go where we think the captives are. We have to go to the places where there's lost people. And we have to have these like... Words from the heart of the father to open up their hearts so that they're even willing to listen to us, right? It's a powerful, powerful tool to have a prophetic word from the heart of the father for somebody. You know, here's, here's how it applies in my own life. I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you guys before, but that's the whole way that I came back to the Lord. You know, I've told you, um, in previous shows that I was, when I came back to the Lord, my marriage was a mess. That's one of the reasons I ended up back in church in the first place. I drifted away and been away from the Lord for a really long time, not walking with him at all, not living righteously, not even thinking about any of that stuff, just doing my own thing, going my own way. And it was a disaster. And I mean, I was in a pit real, real deep, you guys. And my marriage, my second marriage um, was looking like it was going to end up like the first marriage in divorce. It, it was not going good. It was a nightmare. And, um, I went into the church to get prayer and to just, I mean, I remembered my roots from being a little girl and knowing that Jesus loved me and cared about me and that God was real. Um, and that I could pray in a time of crisis and that the Lord would answer me. I knew that deep down. And that's what ended me back up in, in the sanctuary that night, crying out to God for help and direction for my marriage. And I went in and asked for prayer and this lady came and sat down next to me. And she, you know, asked me how she could pray for me. And I told her what was going on in my marriage. And you guys, I don't even, words aren't sufficient to describe what happened in the situation, but I'm going to do the best I can to lay it out for you and to give you a picture of what that moment meant to me. But this woman turned to me after I, you know, kind of spilled my guts and told her everything messy that was going on in my life and my marriage specifically. And she started praying for me. And she started speaking things to me, you guys, about my past, about my childhood, about my history that only me and God knew, honestly, you know, like those deep, deep things that you don't even tell your best friend, your spouse doesn't even know that you went through or that happened to you or the thoughts that you've had, um, or situations you've been in that you've never shared with anyone because they're just deep and they're locked, they're on lockdown in your heart, right? Because they're just too hard to think about or too hard to talk about. Those were the types of things that she was praying to me, talking to me about saying that God wanted to bring me healing. Um, I'll tell you specifically, I was molested when I was a child and I didn't share that with anybody, but you know, my spouse and probably a couple of people in my family, it was something I hadn't talked about in decades. Okay. And she knew about that. The Holy spirit revealed that to her and told me that he wanted to heal me from all of that. And this woman sat there and prayed healing prayers over me and walked me through um, some prayers that I prayed over myself. 
and even spoke some really encouraging things to me about my marriage and how God wanted to be a part of my marriage and bring healing and and how he wanted me to participate in that with him. And she, she also spoke words to me about the calls on my life, the destiny on my life, that I was, that I was called to ministry, that I was called to share my heart with other people, that I was called to walk people through hard things. And, you know, here I am today, a decade later, doing exactly what she prophesied over me that I would be doing. But back then I couldn't even believe that. It was like so far out of reach. And, um, but God is so good. You guys, he knows what we need. And exactly when we need to hear it, his timing is perfect. And his heart for you is love. He is always pursuing you. He is always wanting to restore you. He is always wanting to heal you. Look at how he was throughout the Bible. Everything that Jesus ever did was restorative, redemption, healing. You know, that's his heart. That's who he is. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So that's God's, that's the father's heart for us, you guys. And so that night when this woman prayed over me and prophesied over me and spoke, she had a word of knowledge, just like Jesus did for this woman at the well that had been divorced five times and remarried. She knew about my past. She knew a lot of my mistakes. She knew about, you know, the things that had been done to me being molested and being hurt over and over as a child. She knew all of that. And she spoke God's healing to me. She brought his restorative words and redemption to me. And, and it was a beautiful thing, but here's what happened. That made God so real to me, you guys, that I knew from that point on for the rest of my life that I was all in with him. That changed everything for me. In the blink of an eye, I went from knowing that God was real, but thinking he was like a faraway, distant, uninvolved, kind of like maybe even angry God to knowing that he was loving and kind and wanted a personal, intimate deep, real relationship with me. That prophetic word that that stranger gave me that night changed my life forever. And I am who I am today. I'm in ministry doing the things that God lets me do today that amaze me moment by moment that the Lord allows me to partner with him in ministry to do. I'm here today because of that moment. So I can't stress to you enough the power of the prophetic word. You know, um, I feel like God's really highlighting the importance of the prophetic word right now. I've heard a lot of pastors and ministers from all different streams of Christianity preaching on it, talking about it a lot lately. It's clearly, in my opinion, on the Father's agenda more than ever on earth right now. And I think it's because of that very thing. It's that key that unlocks the unbeliever's heart. It's that key that unlocks the hurting person's heart, just like mine was that night. It unlocks the heart. It gets our attention and it lets us know that God is real and that he sees us and cares about us. You know, it tells us in the book of Joel in the Old Testament that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all his sons and daughters and all will prophesy. You know, prophetic words bring encouragement. They bring healing. They bring confirmation, guidance and wisdom. You know, even that night when she was speaking to me, all those words of healing, when she walked me all through that, she also told me like, listen, you need to get your act together in your marriage. God is for your marriage. He wants to save your marriage, but you need to do your part. Like she even brought me what I would call like corrective words, words of correction meant to help me get on God's path. And prophetic words can do that too. But most of all, what I love about the prophetic word is it, it brings the encounter with the savior. It brings that encounter with Jesus, just like the woman in our story here in John. In John chapter four here that we're reading about the woman at the well, she encountered her savior. Now she thought he was just some prophet. She didn't know who she was talking to yet, but she encountered her savior all because the Lord gave her a prophetic word. But first he went into her situation. He stepped into her town. 
the place where nobody else wanted to go because they considered it to be unclean and ungodly. So that's something for us to really think about as believers, you guys. Okay, so um, I want to pick back up here. Let's see. Yeah, let's pick back up here in John chapter 5 and see what is happening with our story with the woman at the well. Excuse me, John chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 25. So turn in your Bibles if you have them out with you. I'm going to be reading John chapter 4, verses 25 through 30. And they're having this conversation, just a little more background. They're having this conversation, and then the woman starts talking to him again. The woman said, this is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with this Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointing one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus. And so I love this part of the story so much because he, she goes from thinking he's just a prophet to now realizing that he might be the Messiah that they have all been waiting for. You know, and it says in verse 27, that the disciples were freaking out that Jesus was speaking to this Samaritan woman, that she, that he was speaking to a woman at all because Jewish men did not do that. And that she was a Samaritan woman and was considered unclean. And then to top it all off, you know, she's this humongous sinner, like probably the greatest sinner in the whole village. Cause first of all, she's at the well at noon, which is the hottest part of the day. The women never went to the well at noon. So she was probably there trying to avoid the other people in the town. Cause she's probably the talk of the town. Everybody probably judged her and criticized her and gossiped about her because she'd been married and divorced so many times. And now she's living in huge sin because she's living with the man who's not even her husband, you know? And so the, the disciples are probably like, what is Jesus doing? Doesn't he realize who he's talking to? And, and he's talking to this woman and she's like so unclean. And that's what I want to remind us as believers, as Christians to remember, there may be people that we have been taught through religion. Like I said, in the beginning of the show that are considered ungodly or unclean. I mean, I'll give you some examples, gays, lesbians, alcoholics, strippers, homeless people. Some of us would say liberals. I mean, come on, you hear me. People that Christians may consider to be unclean. They may call it something different nowadays. We may say, you know, oh, it's the people living in the world or people living in sin or people that don't know the Lord. You know, we avoid all those types of people when really what we're called to do is go and share Jesus with them, share his heart with them. And one of the ways we do that is how Jesus did it with this woman is we share a prophetic word with them, something straight from his heart. You know, we can really let all that religious stuff kind of put a bind us up and keep us from going to the places that God has called us to be the places where the lost, the unsaved, the people that don't know the Lord are. And, and we can let that stop us. But let me say, please don't let that stop you. It clearly never stopped Jesus. It never stopped Jesus, you guys. He sought those type of people out. It was like he was a man on a mission. He said in the word, you know, I've not come for the well. I've come for the sick. I've come for the lost. That's why he was here. And that's what we're supposed to be doing here as believers, too. I love that he broke religious and cultural barriers to love on people. 
I believe that's what we're all called to do. And, you know, when you share a, a word with people like we talked about, if you want to share a prophetic word, you get a word from the heart of the Father for them. And you just ask the Holy Spirit, what's on your heart for this person? A lot of times I'll say, Lord, what, it, what do you love the most about this girl? You know, I do some jail ministry and, and when I'm in there, I'll just say, Lord, what is, you know, how do you feel about her? What's one of your favorite things about her? And I'll be able to share that with the person and somebody who's sitting there totally closed off to the gospel, totally closed off to Christianity because of the probably bad experiences they've had in the past with judgmental, critical, religious Christians. Unfortunately, they're shut down to anything about the gospel. But when I share the father's heart with them, you guys, their whole countenance changes. Their heart opens up. You can almost just see the light come into their eyes when they realize that God sees them and he loves something very specific about them. It just softens them to hear the gospel. It makes God real to them. It lets them know how much he loves them and that he's pursuing them. And that's what I say a lot when I'm in jail ministry to those girls is, listen, you guys, I came all the way up here today just to tell you one thing. Jesus loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. And he loves you right where you're at. Because, listen, that's what he's doing with this Samaritan woman right here in John chapter 4. So that's my example. And if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, right, that's what we're called to do, then I need to follow his ways and follow how he ministered to people and who he went after and who he looked for and who he sought out to love on and the captives that he sought to set free. It means so much to somebody, you guys, to share a prophetic word with them, to speak God's heart to them. And I can't encourage you enough about the power of a prophetic word. You know, I talking about the jail. um, I just want to talk about what a huge evangelism tool that it really is in your in your toolbox. You know, one of the times I went into the jail to do ministry, there was this woman there and she was really closed off. She sat with her arms crossed the whole time I was um, preaching and, and she just wasn't receiving any of it. And I could tell she was just real closed off to the gospel. So at the end of um, my message, I always ask them how I can pray for them. I take prayer requests. And I was shocked that she was willing to let me pray for her. And I said, how can I pray for you? And, and she said to me, you know, you can pray for my girlfriend. And so I realized that she was a lesbian and that she was asking me to pray for her partner. And she said, you know, she's real sad that I'm in here and she's real scared and alone. And I was like, absolutely. What is her name? And she told me the girl's name. We'll, we'll call her Susan. And I said, well, let's pray for Susan right now. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, let Susan feel your comfort. Let her feel your love. Let her know how much you care about her and that you see her and you realize she is lonely and afraid. Bring her your peace, Jesus. Draw her to your heart. Let her know the truth about you and how you feel about her, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And it was a simple prayer about that, and it was all about Jesus' heart for Susan. It wasn't about how Jesus feels about homosexuality, how he felt about their uh, lesbian relationship. It was Jesus' heart for Susan. And that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to speak his heart for that person. And let me tell you, that opened that other woman up instantly to the gospel, and she ended up receiving Christ that night. She became a believer and received Jesus that night, and I believe it had everything to do with me speaking God's heart over the person that she cared about and not pointing out all the religious reasons that, you know, people might call her situation unclean or ungodly, right? 
So do me a favor, you guys, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. And if you're not sure what that is, get in the word and see how Jesus ministered to people, how he talked to people, how he brought love, how he hanged out with the sinners, hung out with the sinners and ate with the sinners and um, just his heart for the lost. That's who we're called to be. People don't need to hear all of our rules and all the things that we're against, and all the things that we hate and all the things that God condemns. They don't need that. You know what they need? They need the love of the father. They need Jesus. And then all that other stuff that God wants to bring and straighten out, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, right? And he'll work that out. That's not our job. So I just want to remind you that the prophetic word is a huge evangelism tool in your toolbox. And if you're a believer and you've, you've never experienced a prophetic word, you know, I just encourage you to get in the Bible and start asking the Holy Spirit to give you prophetic words for yourself that he'll speak to your heart and prophetic words for other people. You know, all prophetic words should point to and glorify Jesus. They should bring healing and encouragement, comfort, guidance, wisdom, and they should always point people to their savior, Jesus. So I just want to pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for people that are scared to speak a prophetic word that they're scared. They're going to mess it up or get it wrong. Lord, give them peace, empower them, Lord, give them boldness and give them your heart for people. Lord, help them set the captives free. Lord, I break the power of the religious spirit over everybody listening. Lord, I silence it in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your father's heart will be released in everyone listening, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen. You know what, you guys? Thank you so much for joining us today. Please email me at scandalousgrace at carlaswanigan.com. And that's Carla with the K. Let me know how God's moving in your life through the show. And remember, just, relieve, just leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Please go to carlaswanigan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carlaswanigan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan.